Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. There's no crying in baseball. No crying. And this game's underway. Into the wind of it is first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there. Who's coming up? You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Go, go, Sanderson! Here's the payoff pitch. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. It's Monday, October 23rd, 2023. You're listening to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast. Brendan Glasheen with Sean Zarillo and BJ Cunningham. Two, two critical games. We have a game seven tonight that we'll get to momentarily. Rangers, Astros, Scherzer, Javier, your pitching matchup. That is the nightcap. It's on Fox. We'll get to that one. The first game we will discuss, Diamondbacks, Phillies. D-backs tried to extend this series to a game seven, which would be tomorrow. It's Merrill Kelly against Aaron Nola. That one starts on TBS just after five o'clock. We have a contest winner to give out. We've been asking folks to... Subscribe and leave a five-star rating and a review. Congrats to Grado360, G-R-A-D-O, 360. You win. Thanks for tuning into the podcast and leaving a five-star rating and review. To claim your free Action Pro access for one year, email podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. Uh, We're here every weekday when there is baseball being played this week. More to come. If these series both end tonight, uh, stay tuned. We'll have an update on when we'll do a World Series preview. The World Series starts on Friday, no matter what happens tonight. So more to come on a big breakdown of the World Series once we get a matchup. So uh, that's the housekeeping. Again, we appreciate folks that are tuning in. If you're more new to baseball, not not so much new, but you're more dialed in because it's the, the postseason. Uh, we hope you're enjoying it. So let's let's dive in. We've got NLCS Game Six tonight: Arizona, Philadelphia. Aaron Nola Zarillo can close this out for the Phillies. How are we approaching? Uh, bet from a betting standpoint, how are we approaching this game tonight? So I do see value on the Diamondbacks, but as we talked about before the series, I bet the Phillies minus one and a half games. So I'm not going to go ahead and bet the Diamondbacks and directly contradict my Phillies position. I'm riding the Phillies essentially at a plus 120, plus 125 number today to close the series out. But if you don't have a bet on anything, if you want a fire bet, you can bet on the Diamondbacks down to about plus 163. And here's why. I love being able to bet on playoff rematches Uh, because you get a lot of information about what the line should be based on the previous iteration of the matchup. It's best for playoff hockey because you get the same team, same goalies at the same venue, right? Four or three times in a seven-game series. In baseball, you're not necessarily going to get the same pitching matchups or the same home venue with those pitching matchups. But generally speaking, games two and game six of a seven-game series, you are going to get the same starting pitchers in the same home venue. And we know exactly where that line closed for game two. Philadelphia closed at minus 166 consensus. Arizona plus 140 
consensus. If you shop around, you could have found better or worse numbers, but those were the consensus lines, minus 166 and plus 140. For game six, Philadelphia opened closer or has been bet up closer to minus 180, and Arizona is closer to plus 166. So that Philly's line has inflated by about 1%, 2%. That Diamondbacks line has inflated by closer to 4%. So you can get a substantially better number on the Diamondbacks for this game than you were able to get for the last game. Yes, the Phillies blew them out 10-0. Merrill Kelly was pretty effective until he got through the lineup a third time, and ultimately they had to lift him. He allowed a sixth-inning home run to Kyle Schwarber, and that has been a theme throughout the series for Arizona. They're starting pitchers going a third time against Kyle Schwarber, against Bryce Harper. They're getting lit up. Their bullpen hasn't been ready to go, and then Lovulo ends up having to pull these guys late. So tonight, I would expect the bullpen to be ready to go by the third time they face Kyle Schwarber. Uh, I would lean to the under 15 and a half outs on Merrill Kelly as a result. I know their starters have gone deep in the series. They have to be aggressive with the bullpen tonight. And I don't think you can let him see Schwarber or Harper for a third time. So Kelly under 15 and a half outs. One bet I like, as I said, the Diamondbacks on the money line, I do think are a value bet. Bryce Harper to walk again is a bet I bet throughout this series. He had a couple of three ball counts or three three ball counts against Zach Allen last game. He swung at a 3-0 pitch that was down the middle. With nobody on base, was hoping he was going to take the walk there. He also had a pair of 3-2 pitches, one he hit a home run on, one he hit a single on for an RBI. So Diamondbacks continue to pitch around Harper, should have opportunities to walk tonight. And then on the other side, Aaron Nola under 1.5 walks. Nola has had 100 career plate appearances, including his last playoff start against the Diamondbacks. He's allowed one walk. He's allowed one walk in about 75 plate appearances this postseason. His command has been impeccable. His stuff looks great. So Noah under one and a half walks. Thank you, Anthony DeMundo, for pointing me in that direction. Mm -hmm. uh, and then lastly, the under eight. I was on the over seven and a half in game two. Uh, I projected the total closer to 7.9. We have better under weather here than we had in game two. Yep. So I made this total 7.3. Again, you're going to see the bullpens be used more aggressively. Any elimination game. So I like the under eight tonight to minus 114. I said it was in the over seven and a half in the last game. I like the under eight tonight. Uh, but, you know, I think the biggest note is the pricing adjustment on Arizona. You were betting them in this same match, pitching matchup at plus 140. Now you're getting plus 166, maybe because it's an elimination game, maybe because they got blown up the last time they were in this matchup. But Nolan Kelly was pretty competitive, uh, especially early. It was really the bullpen for Arizona that blew it. So I think there's definitely value on the Diamondbacks tonight. I'm just not in a spot to bet it. I would prefer to bet the under eight to minus 114. And then, as I said, Nola under one and a half walks. Bryce Harper to walk, uh, and Merrill Kelly under 50 and a half outs. Those are my three prop plays. If you haven't been able to tell, we have a lot of action on these two games tonight. So I know mm -hmm. BJ's got thoughts too, but DeBundo mm -hmm. made a good point. I saw this in the app last night. Sunset in Philadelphia is at 610. This game starts mm -hmm. just after five o'clock. So the shadows are going to play a part at Citizens Bank Park today. Uh, going to be in the high 50s. Temperature will drop. I think Zarello's point was about, I mean, I'm assuming you mentioned weather. You're talking about the sun setting too. That could play a part in this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The timing of the game. I considered betting a first five under two for those shadows, a first five under four and a half to about minus 120. That's something I'm going to continue to take a look at as well, because you just look at the scoring for the last time these two teams played at this time, it was low scoring through the first five innings. And then it started to pick up. So maybe the shadows had something to do with that. Maybe just the quality of the bullpens versus the starting pitchers had something to do with that. And I, I also just think these, these teams have gotten a lot of looks at these respective bullpens. Mm -hmm. And they seem to be having very comfortable bats against these relievers too. Not the super late in guys like Seawald and 
Alvarado, but the, you know, the middle inning guys like Saul Frank and they're falling apart in these plate appearances. So I'm more inclined to bet the first five under, you know, knowing these bullpens might blow it. But yeah, I think there's a decent spot for the under today, as you said, not just because of the weather, but also because of the shadows that they're going to be getting with the time of game. I mean, this game would have been 8 p.m. until Texas forced the game seven last night. So now it's going to be 5 p.m. The weather is a little bit different than we expected and sort of changes just the conditions of how it might play out. All right, BJ, you can chime in now. I know you like Merrill Kelly's under uh, outs, which I want your thoughts on this too. If that number does move to a 14 and a half, do you stay away? 15 and a half right now at BetMGM, under juice to minus 160. Your thoughts for game six in Philly? Well, it's exactly what Sean said is I, you know, given Lavola what he did with Fott early in when the series went back to Arizona, basically taking him out through five yep. and two thirds, even though he was pitching very well because he didn't want to see the third time through. I think he's learned his lesson and he's not going to do that again, what he did with Kelly. Now there is some, you know, obviously, you know, Kelly and, um, and Gallon have a little bit of a longer leash than a rookie does, but again, He's not going to do it given what happened this time around. The one thing I'll say about Kelly, he was pretty wild in that game against Philly. Against Philly. You could say he's effectively wild. He threw 89 pitches and 50 of them were out of the zone trying to get the Phillies to chase, um, which I find interesting. And if you look through his uh, his season, you know he's a 3.5 walk per nine rate pitcher. His last five starts before the regular season, he walked more, two or more batters in every single start. So I do like his under 15 and a half outs, you know, echoing everything that Sean said. I think the matchup's also not great for him, um, even though he did pitch pretty well in that game too. Um, yeah, just, eight of the eight of the 10 runs were scored in the sixth and seventh inning. Exactly. And and when we have these pitching outs, and what we're talking about is what has to go right for Merrill Kelly to get through essentially to the sixth inning. There's a lot that has to go right, essentially. They got to be up like about six, it, nothing. Yeah, exactly. Because if you think about it, yeah, either they got to have a huge lead or he's basically got to be perfect and not allow a ton of batters on base to be a walks or hits if he's going to see the order essentially, you know, two times through and not seeing a third. So 18, you have to think, okay, is four, four guys going to get on base against him against the, the and with this Phillies lineup, the way that they're hitting the ball? I would say yes. So I do like under 15 and a half outs. One thing that, and this is really juicy, but I might just bend it out of principle. Kelly over one and a half walks is minus 190. It's a very, very juicy price. Like I said, he's walked two or more batters in his last five regular season starts. He did it both times. He walked three guys against the Phillies, two guys against the Dodgers, 50 pitches of his 83 out of the 89 out of the zone. Boy, if we're liking Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber and all these guys to walk, it's a very juicy price. And I wish I could get a, a two and a half or, or a straight two, but they, they'll never give that to me. Um, but I think I'm out of principle. I have to bet over one and a half walks for Merrill Kelly. If he's going to continually try to get the Phillies to chase out of the zone repeatedly. So Kelly under one, under 15 and a half outs, Kelly over one and a half walks and minus 190. This is going to be really dumb when I'm watching this game and he's just, you know, pumping balls into the strike zone, but given what we've seen from him, he's trying to get the Phillies to swing out of the zone. So, and given how good they've been at, at being disciplined with that, I don't think it's going to happen. So those are my two bets for this game. I think what factors into both of your handicaps too with Kelly is Kyle Schwarber. The fact that Schwarber has been their hottest hitter. I know Zarello, you've been on the Harper walk train here during this series, but the fact that Schwarber is at number one in the order and the, the third time through component, mm-hmm. the fact that their hottest hitter is Schwarber and he leads off that lineup. 
there's there's kind of that's got to be baked into uh, Lavello's thought process there uh, coming from the dugout because you you'd think, but in you know in game two he let Kelly go through Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Bloom a third time, yeah, and then brought in Mantiply to face Stott, and it's like if you're going to bring in the lefty, why aren't you bringing him in for yeah. Schwarber and Harper, not Bryce right. and Stott? So the, the the usage has been confusing to me, but again, like he didn't have anybody ready for the start of the inning. Schwarber homered, and then the bullpen got up. So it just it right. never crossed his mind to start the inning with Kelly. I, if he doesn't, it's in my article today. If he doesn't, if he does, if he makes the same mistake a third time, like it's manager malpractice. You can't keep making the same yeah. mistake in the series. He did it last night. Gallon gave up a run in the sixth. How many times are you going to make the same mistake? So Kelly under 15 yeah. and a half outs. Uh, Brendan, though, like if it goes down to 15, that's the lowest I'm betting it. I'm not betting okay. 14 and a half. It's, it's 15 and a half, 15 at even money minus 110. That's, that's about as far as I'm going. I, I would bet a juice 15 and a half. I'd lay the juice. That half, that hook is going to be key. Kyle Schwarber at BetMGM over a half base minus 130. And then let's see where that price is now on Harper to walk over a half a walk is minus 135. So that number's And the, the correlated stuff that I've seen Anthony and Charlie firing is the stolen base props for guys like Schwarber and Harper. If they're getting yep. walked, just higher likelihood, you know, they could be on the back end of a double steal with somebody. Sure. Uh, you know, yeah. Turner gets Turner. on in front of Harper, doubles, right? Then Harper walks, and then you get a double steal where Harper's getting the back end of it. So it's happened Turner. in the series, uh, and it's it's big, juicy plus money. So there's a bit of Turner correlation is, uh, between walks and steals. Turner is interesting, too, with that. He walked twice against Kelly in this last game, and he's obviously one of their biggest threats on the base. So him as well. Basically, the top three of their order are all live to get a stolen base. And Arizona has to run at some point. They haven't run in the series. Yeah. They've run on Craig Kimbrell. They haven't run on anybody else. I'm, I'm uh I'm sad to see them being scared to run. It's what's gotten you this far. Lean into it. Like you got to go at some point. So Arizona steel props tonight. <laughs> it'd be it'd be wild if they go down in the series without running at all. <laughs> like I, I feel like they have to run. They have to try to run tonight. So Noah's been great with the slide step. Uh they they've been afraid to run on it. I don't know. Maybe they were watching tape and trying to figure out when they can run on it, but they they have to try at some point. Do what you do. By the way, that's a good call out there by BJ. Trey Turner walked twice in game two against Kelly and over half a walk plus 230 at that MGM for tonight's yeah, game. Nice. He doesn't have a high walk rate throughout the season. I'll just mention that because I did look at it this morning. It's like 6% where comparatively uh, Schwarber and Harper are around the 15. I think, I think Schwarber's at 17 Harper's at 15% or around that. So that's why it's that high, just to say. But again, Turner did homer against him in the first one. So Kelly was obviously a little scared and trying to pitch around him. So I think that's what kind of led to it. And that's really what, you know, again, kind of leads to him maybe walking a few more guys. Yep. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Payoff Pitch presented by BetMGM. Use the bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, let's go to Texas and Houston. Game 7 tonight. At Houston, at it's still Minute Maid Park, right? Is that they still mm-hmm. call it Minute yep. Maid Park? Yep. Okay, these ballparks keep changing. And Ron Field, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> a former accountant. That's a that's a funny reference. Astros on the money line minus one twenty five. Rangers plus one hundred five. Pitching matchup: Javier Scherzer, Max Scherzer. We were, I don't think you were on Zarillo. I mean, I know you bet it, but you weren't on the podcast, and we were on Scherzer's under outs. BJ dropped the uh, the Julian Edelman to Tom Brady. You're too old. Uh, he was messing with me off to the side. So I'll, I'll let BJ go first on this one because does Scherzer redeem himself? This is why you go get Max Scherzer at the trade deadline for this kind of start against Houston on the road. I know you both bet, or Zerillo, I know you bet Houston overnight. You had a price target on Houston to win game seven. Well, here we are, game seven tonight, the nightcap. BJ, you first, though. What do you got? I don't understand why Scherzer's at 13 and a half outs. He <laughs> opened. I, I mean, I, I really don't get it. Is it just because it's game seven, it's Max Scherzer, and they're just going to let him go as long as possible? Because I don't see that as the scenario that we're going in here. So Scherzer wasn't great in that start against the Astros. Obviously gave up five runs. But really more than anything, the pitches that were in the zone got absolutely crushed. Nine or 12, nine of the 12 balls that were put into play or 13 balls that were put into play were graded as hard hits by StatCast. Only 36 of his 63 pitches were actually in the zone. So he was on a sick, what we thought at least it was on a 65 to 70 pitch count for that game three. Now game seven, you can say you throw everything out the window, who cares? But again, it's a 40 year old guy coming off of a shoulder injury. And I have a hard time seeing that he's actually going to see the order the third time through, unless he pitches incredibly well and he's just he's just ro- pitching great. I mean, do I need to go through and do the math again, Brendan, to to let the people know of what of what it could be? I mean, the realistic scenario here is if he's on a sixty-five. What? To yeah, do, do the count, same thing you did the last game. What yeah, has to go right for Max Scherzer to get over? 13 and a half, 12 and a half outs, whatever the number. I'll just be. I'll just say it really quickly again. So he averaged sixteen pitches an inning this season. If he's on a 70 pitch count, that means that in realistic scenario is that he will go four and one thirds innings if everything goes right. But again, he faced an Astros lineup that is a disciplined lineup that does have a very high walk rate against right-handed pitching. So if he's going to continually throw the ball outside the zone and try to get them to chase and they're not going to swing at it, he's going to struggle because if he has to throw a ball inside the zone, they're going to hit him just like they did in game three. So his under two, 12 and a half outs opened at plus 105. It closed around minus 150. And now we're getting under 13 and a half in the minus 120 range. Again, unless it's some sentimental reason and Bochi just leaves him out there because he's Max Scherzer and it's game seven, I don't see a scenario why the Rangers wouldn't heavily use their bullpen. They only used two pitchers last night. So 
I think the bullpen is going to be very, very heavily used from the Rangers here. Once he gets into trouble, I don't think they're just going to leave him out there. And one more thing I'll mention that I mentioned the last time, he gets really flustered when guys get on base. Yeah. Like his ex-fip goes from 3.5 to over five when guys get on base. So, and even in that game when he was giving up runs, I was just like, why are they leaving him out there? Why are they leaving him out there just to get through four innings? And it took a lot for him to just get to 12 outs. So again, a lot of things have to go right for Max Scherzer, and he somehow has to turn back the clock at 40 years old, coming off a shoulder injury, and pitch incredibly well to get over, not only get past the get into the fifth inning, but get past 13 and a half outs. So under 13 and a half outs, minus 120. I also did under four and a half Ks at minus 130 as well. Um, I just really don't see a scenario if he's going to continually try to live outside the zone and Houston's not going to swing at it how he's going to get deep into this game and how they're not going to yank him at the the first sign of trouble. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really, they used uh, Sporbs. How do you say his, how do you say his last name? The Evaldi's uh, the guy who relieved Evaldi last night? Spores, right? Spores. 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 Okay. It's a a funky one when you look at it too long and you overthink it. And as well. The fact that Houston or the fact that the Rangers blew that one open was massive because you wonder if they use Leclerc for another inning um, in a high leverage spot, but they didn't have to. Chapman didn't pitch last night. Zarilla, we talked about this a little bit before we went live. That Bochi seems doubtful or he doesn't have full confidence in in that middle part of his bullpen. So I'm curious. Look, it's the kitchen sink kind of game, right? You're trying to get move on to the next round. They use starters. Does like Montgomery become available tonight? Something of the like. Where are you at here on just Scherzer in general and also just the side? I know you're on Houston. Uh, yeah, I can't stop thinking about it. Somebody posted the other day, it was the picture of Drake walking out with Kentucky basketball, and they said Max Scherzer coming to ruin another team's playoff chances. Phenomenal. Um, I had a different take on Scherzer's game three start than BJ, to a degree. And he almost came out for that fifth inning. He was debating with Bruce Bochy in the dugout whether to come out for the fifth inning. Now, if they're down 5-2, in the fifth inning game too, he's not coming out, but, or he's not coming back into the game for the fifth inning, but right. for the first three innings of game three, Scherzer was averaging closer to 94 to 95 on his fastball. His fastball velocity on the year was about 93.7. He was at 94.1 on average in that start. But most of that weight was towards the first through third innings. Come the fourth and fifth inning, he wore down. The fastball velocity dropped to 93.94 closer to 93, where it was sitting closer to 94 to 96 for the first three innings. His slider was also a mess. Couldn't throw it for strikes. It was getting hit when he did put it in the zone. Just didn't have command. My takeaway was it was more to do with the rust than it was to do with Scherzer's health. I actually thought the stuff looked back to where it was when he's at full health, but only for about the first three innings. And I thought his command was a mess. So to me... I think we're going to get a better version of Max Scherzer tonight. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't like the Astros in this matchup because I've continued to upgrade Christian Javier as well, both during the playoffs and near the end of the regular season. Javier looks like he's back to his full form from last year too. Uh, But just to stick with Scherzer for a second, 35% strikeout or called strike plus whiff rate in that start. So he was getting swings and misses. Um, yes, the Ashers were chasing a little bit, but uh, again, I think it really came down to a slider command. He wasn't able to hit the low inside corner to lefties, the low and outside corner to righties with that slider. 
And if he can't hit that pitch, that's his signature pitch. If he's not going to be able to throw that for strikes, it kind of makes his whole game fall apart. So I am very cautious about betting Max Scherzer unders here because if he's pitching well, if he's pitching like he's supposed to, if I'm Bruce Brochi, I trust that more than I trust my middle relievers. I'm trying to take Scherzer all the way until the back end of my bullpen in a close game. And even if he gives up a solo shot and we fall behind by a run, I think that's a better possibility than, you know, giving it to your bullpen and the same thing happening. So I'm a little bit skeptical about betting the Scherzer unders today. I was all over them in game three. I think he looked okay. And I think you're going to get a better version of Max Scherzer today. And I don't really want to be a part of that situation where him and Bochy are arguing in the dugout about whether he should come back out for the fifth inning today. So uh, it's a pass for me concerning those props. I'd probably lean under, whereas I bet, you know, I'd probably lean over, I should say, whereas I bet the unders uh, for game three. But then on the other side of the matchup, I bet Javier over 12 and a half outs for game three. I'd probably lean under today for a game seven where Houston's bullpen, which is the better bullpen, is fully rested and ready to go. And those spots that Baker let him pitch out of in past games, I don't necessarily think he's going to let Javier try to squeeze out of today. So Javier under, uh, that's where I'd lean with my bet. Again, not firing on it. The one player prop I did bet, Jordan to walk. And they intentionally walked him last night yep. with a runner on first and two out. They moved a runner into scoring position in the third inning, a 1-1 game in the third inning. They moved a runner from first to second to walk Jordan to face Jose Abreu. That told me all I needed to know. Texas wants no part of Jordan. There's a good chance they intentionally walk him again tonight in a similar spot. So Jordan to walk was plus money. I'd take that up to minus 120. How much uh, How much of that we, had to do with Evaldi's lack of success against him? You follow me? Like, you, Scherzer's, you, you that's, Scherzer's that's a staff had, consensus is, is your point. Scherzer has had trouble with Jordan as well. Uh, okay. Jordan in regular season, four for seven, a home run, three walks, no strikeouts. So he okay. sees the ball well against Scherzer. I believe he got an RBI single off of him in game three. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's Max Scherzer's not the kind of guy you're going to tell to intentionally walk somebody. So maybe you take away one plate appearance where that's a possibility. But they've also just been pitching around him. They they until they get in situations where they have to pitch to him, you know, two runners on base, three runners on base, two out. They don't really seem to actually throw pitches in the zone. He's like Bryce Harper. Jordan is swinging at a lot of pitches outside of the zone because he wants to do damage, you know, with what he's being offered. So. I think Jordan to walk is a decent spot. Um, I wouldn't really bet the walk and the total bases. I'd bet one or the other, and I'd expect it to be pitch around tonight. So that's where I'm going with my one player prop for this matchup. Concerning the side of the total, you could take Houston to about minus 120, minus 123. And then I also like the under nine to even money, under nine and a half to minus 120. Should get fairly aggressive bullpen usage tonight from both teams. Uh, it's more so just... These guys aren't going to pitch through trouble. They get runners on. They're probably going to come out of the game and you're not going to have guys pitching through situational spots that they normally would, which just leads to more runners being stranded in scoring positions. So the under nine to even money or minus 120 uh, closed at, it closed at nine about minus 110 or it closed at nine even money, I should say for, for game three. So it's about in the range where it was. And the the game, you know, we talked about rematches before, right? Game three. So game three was the same pitching matchup as game seven. Different home field. So you do have to swap that line. But Texas closes minus, 20, minus 125 favorites. Houston plus right. 108. The line for game seven opened the inverse. Houston minus 125. Texas plus 108. 
And considering the home field adjustment, about 7 or 8%, that is ex- where you'd expect it to open. So I said before the Phillies game, right? The same matchup. The line is about 20 cents higher for Arizona than it was the last game. This line for game seven between Houston and Texas, it is exactly what you'd expect, just taking the same pitching matchup and switching it to home park. So right. tough to find value on this game unless you either downgraded Scherzer or upgraded Javier relative to game three. I've upgraded Javier just to touch it. As I've continued to do, I actually didn't downgrade Scherzer, but Javier continues to move up for me. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, LeClerc, 16 pitches last night. Uh, Chapman didn't pitch. But get the juices flowing for a game seven for me personally is when they start let the starting pitchers like does Montgomery pitch tonight? Like like mm-hmm. where do they how do you go from Scherzer to Chapman and LeClerc? Like, do they yep. go off the cuff? Do they go they think outside the box? I'm uh, do you guys have a thought on that? I mean, we'll have to watch and find out, but I'm curious. Do they go to a Montgomery, for instance? Well, yeah, they they used Heaney last night in the ninth inning. So Dane Dunning would be their quote Dunning. unquote long man tonight. He wasn't great. His other appearance in the series, I'm kind of down on Dane Dunning in general. He doesn't have much stuff. He's more of a command guy, and he's not a guy who's probably going to pop more coming out of the bullpen because he doesn't have big stuff. He's, you know, a guy who's better suited to go long in innings and eat innings throughout a season. So, yeah, it's it's going to have to be a different reliever every inning if they want to get aggressive with it. The one thing we didn't mention is the availability, potentially, or inavailability of Ryan Abreu for the Astros. He is appealing a suspension today. Um, MLB for some reason is going to make a decision about whether he will be allowed to pitch in game seven. Uh, it's a joke. They've got to know that by now. Like, they know now. Well, like we're recording at 10 o'clock in the morning on, on the day of the game. They got to, right. They have to know what their decision is by now. Uh, you have to have reviewed the video and determine whether or not you think that he was trying to hit Adolis Garcia in a game that was competitive in a playoff matchup that would have given Texas an advantage. Martin Maldonado's reaction said enough. And by all the, also, by the way, uh, remember when Chase Utley slid into Ruben Tejada's leg and broke it uh, and then never right. actually served time for breaking Ruben Tejada's leg for one of the most illegal gross slides I've ever seen? Uh, they appealed his suspension until the next season. So they allowed Chase Utley an entire offseason to appeal his five-game suspension. And then they dropped the suspension. So we're really going to suspend Brian Abreu for game seven here after Chase Utley like, snapped the guy's leg in half. And uh, never touched second base, and then was awarded second base upon review. That's that's the that's the part of the play people forget. Uh, slid like five feet right of second base, broke Tahada's leg. Tahada obviously never touched second base, and then they went to review, and the umpire said he's safe at second base. <laughs> Watch the replay; it's great. It's it's one of the greatest reviews in MLB history that they gave him second base. Uh, but yeah, like we're really going to suspend Brian Abreu for Game Seven uh, for not hitting a guy intentionally it's a joke man this this shouldn't even be something that we're talking about today but it is because he's one of their best relievers and if they take him out of this game it does hurt houston's chances pretty significantly they considered using him for two innings last night he's been one of the most effective relievers in baseball this year they weren't sure whether to use him for two innings because they didn't know if they would have him today they weren't sure if he should just be eating innings in a game that didn't matter or if he should be saved for a game that might matter so i i think it'd be a travesty if he's suspended tonight uh, I hope they let him pitch and I hope they let him appeal whatever it is until next season. But uh, yeah, I think that's a huge key tonight. And Houston does have the bullpen advantage provided he's available. But as you said, Brennan, like the the bridge from Scherzer to Chapman to Spores, and those guys have had wonky command in the big spots too. It's It's a sketchy bridge to get there. And then once you get there, those guys tend to start innings and they either look great or they walk two guys and then have to figure it out. So yeah, I just think Houston's bullpen is much calmer, uh, much more 
experience to getting out of spots like this, but uh, I, I definitely trust the Astros more to game seven. Hmm. All right. Very good. Um, that slide was 2015, right? That was a, that feels like yeah. not long ago, but it was yeah. eight, eight years ago. Wow. Uh, Justin Verlander pitch Friday, 82 pitches. I wonder if they try to use him, but I have a feeling a is going to be available too, but they should have their mind made up as we record payoff pitch. And also not to mention, like say they say it wasn't te- like he didn't even throw it his head through his like his like rib area. Like he didn't like go at him. Yeah. So it's just not, I, right. I, we talked about it before the podcast, but my biggest pet peeve in baseball is managers and players getting upset about hit by pitches that are clearly not intentional. And I know the Mets have gotten hit by pitches more than any other team in baseball over the past few years. Uh, but I, I think we all just got sick of watching Buck Show out there standing on the top step of the dugout looking like, you know, somebody stole his lunch money. It, it just like, it, it gets silly at some point. There's, there's yeah. situations where you're trying to hit guys and, I, I don't even know, like, what what annoys me more? Is it that or is it the robot umpires? Like, Brandon Marsh is at bat, you know, in the in game five against Arizona, taking a pitch inside and outside for strikes that are clearly not. Like, I'm, I'm tired of watching these human umpires in the playoffs. I don't know about you, BJ, but mm-hmm. the number of at-bats that were where I just see, like, wonky yeah. calls or strikes on changing from one batter to the next. I'm like, what are we doing here? Just automate. Yeah, it's stupid. It's, it's, it's annoying. I actually, you know, I actually went to uh... – an Iowa Cubs game where they used the robot umpires in the AAA. Yeah. I just kind of enjoyed it, quite frankly. It made the game go so much faster. And it's, you know, it's, I've gone both ways because like in one hand, like it's, it's one of those unique things about baseball, about just watching blown balls and strikes. Like it's a very annoying thing, but it's like one of the most American things we can do is argue balls and strikes. So we take that away and we give it to the robots. Then what do we argue about again? Right. And then suddenly we think about, wait, I actually enjoyed arguing so much. That actually made me feel good. So I go back and forth sometimes, but that's just the joking side of me. But realistically, yeah, no robot umpires as soon as possible. Yeah, Martin Maldonado took a picture of the plate. Uh, I think it was was game five. uh, It immediately just snapped and turned to the umpire because it was inside, clear inside strike that was called. And he immediately snapped and turned to the umpire. And it was very obvious, like, you're going to call that for my guy? And then yeah. Javier, or not Javier, uh, I forgot who was pitching that game, but through the same exact pitch, it might have been Urquidy, through the same exact pitch in the same spot, and it didn't get called. And Maldonado is catching that point and turned around. And I think he wanted to choke out the umpire. Like it was, they literally had the same conversation with Maldonado batting about the same pitch. And then he's like, okay, you better give me that call. And they looked for the call and didn't, get, and you know, I don't mind these guys having unique zones, I mind the inconsistency. And when they've been calling a pitch, a ball or a strike all game, and then they switch the call in a big spot, it literally makes my head fucking explode. So it's uh, it's it's the thing that drives me nuts probably about this sport more than any other at this point. Like the inconsistency of the strike zone, I really don't think it should be having this much influence over games. And it really does seem to. Uh, yeah, I just hate I hate when a zone changes based on the count. And How about the really Joe, Joe Davis and John Smoltz mentioned uh, whoever uh, umped home plate last night, the tallest home plate umpire in Major League Baseball. Mm. Uh, the guy who umped, uh, I don't know his name, um, but yeah, there's your bitch about officiating minute. Um, we could do a whole podcast on this for every. I, you know, I haven't sent out, I haven't sent out one tweet this year with like a strike zone. You know, the screenshot of the game day strike zone. I've not done any of that this year. I've not complained about umpires. Um. Yeah, there's there's been some moments in this postseason that have annoyed me with regards to the umpiring and the strike zones. And I think the officials have had too much of an impact. Uh, and I'd really like to see that. Haunted. 
Here's a question. I don't know if you mentioned this. Who is umpiring tonight? Do we know? So for, yeah, I had it. Uh, I For both games, I looked into the data on both umpires, and it was a relatively neutral uh, factor. So we have in the ALCS game seven, Dan Bellino. It's going to be the home plate ump. Uh, I believe he has a slight lean to the under for his career, but nothing substantial. And then Trip Gibson will be the game six NLCS umpire. Uh, I believe he had a slight lean to the over for his career. Again, nothing substantial. Game seven would be Adam Hamari for the NLCS. I think he's a younger umpire with not a fairly sufficient data sample either. So uh, nothing in the data. Yeah, Hamari just 40 years old. Nothing in the data that really suggested uh, any of these guys had a particularly strong lean to pitchers or hitters and favoring the over the under. But, you know, the the weather, I think, more influential in Philly tonight, that wind blowing in, temperatures in the low 60s. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not not something I'm changing based on the umpire handicap, really, for these final two games. Uh, you know, there's certain guys who stand out really big in our numbers, but uh, Doug Eddings who did game four of the ALCS. He's, he's a mm-hmm. really strong under-leaning umpire. But other than that, there haven't been too many guys who popped up. Uh, Lance Barksdale for game five of the NLCS. There's there's not, like hockey goalies, um, there's a few umpires who are very good, and there's a few umpires who are very bad, and everybody else is kind of in the middle. Um, and I think most of these guys who they select for playoff games are in the middle. You rarely get an umpire on paper who looks like they have a strong bias for a playoff game. These guys are getting selected because they're consistent because they're good. So, uh, it's, it's rare. It's like one out of each seven game series. You may get like a strong tendency from an umpire. Okay. Uh, Jordan Baker, six foot seven. He called balls mm. and strikes last night. Mm. Tallest Better umpire in baseball. It's a fun fact from, uh, like to see him and Bailey over yet in a fight. <laughs> okay well there you go uh, a lot of bets and a lot of bitching about the officials um what a great podcast we really are here for the people uh we are back here again so here's the deal if we get a game seven for phillies and diamondbacks we will have a show tomorrow if both of these series wrap up tonight well we know one will but if phillies take care of business and beat the diamondbacks we will be off tomorrow and more to come as far as when we will have a World Series preview episode out. If these are done by tonight, we're thinking Wednesday. If there is a Game 7 tomorrow, probably Thursday. Um, so more to come on that. We'll definitely be here Friday for sure. Game 1 of the World Series is Friday. And that creates a whole thing because the Phillies, if it's Houston, the Phillies would have home field. But if it's the Rangers, the Rangers would have home field. Um, so that opens a whole can of worms. So we got to see what happens tonight. And then, of course, we'll be here tomorrow if there's a game seven in Philadelphia between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. For Sean Zarello and BJ Cunningham, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, please leave a five star rating and review so you can be eligible for an Action Pro free account. Uh, we're going to give those out or give one out again at the end of this week, uh, beginning of next week for this week's podcast. So tune in for that. Thanks for listening to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast presented by BetMGM. Good luck. Enjoy the games. Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.